Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Fourth and four at the Tampa Bay 18. Shotgun snap to Prescott. He has time. Throws left side. Wide open is CeeDee Lamb. He'll walk into the end zone for a Dallas touchdown. Nary a Buccaneer within 10 yards. And it's 30 to 6 Cowboys. And Maher on for the extra point, And it is good. Brett Maher gets a standing ovation after four misses tonight. Fifth time was a charm oh. for Brett Maher, and there's Mike McCarthy. Oh, yeah. Get oh, he's it, got Mike? the big chain. I oh, like man. That. Big guy moving. He was starting to do the robot or something. I don't know what that was. Some new move <laughs> that he just came it's, up it's, with. It's called shut that Sean Payton talk up. I'm the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. That's that move right there. That's what that is. That's called well, I would say no Sean Payton shimmy right there. <laughs> So, like, the Shove It Sean Shimmy? <laughs> right. Would that be yeah, the, the best right. name for it? Right, Shove yeah. It Sean Shimmy? Or Shove It, shove it Media oh, yeah. over the Sean Shimmy, right? Yeah, something. <laughs> well, after last year's wild card loss at home, which was capped by a failure of attention to detail, a poorly executed, riskily conceived quarterback draw aimed at buying time for one more shot at the end zone, which didn't take into account the fact the umpire had to teleport through two bodies before he could touch the ball and the ball could be spiked, which we've talked about at length. Nothing like that this time around. Just flat-out excellence from the Cowboys, wire to wire. We're going to break it down here on PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Hello to everyone watching on Peacock, listening on Sirius XM 85, watching and listening on Sky Sports NFL or podcasts, whenever, wherever, however, getting emails from throughout the galaxy after our reference to Uranus yesterday, so let's see if we can top it today right out of the gates. But, Chris, you can't top what the Cowboys did last night. I got to give you credit. Not that even you saw that coming. I didn't think they'd 
just completely kick the crap out of them, make it such a lopsided affair that there was no chance for Tom Brady to rev up the engine on comeback heroics. What a way to go out. At least last year, he did everything he could to tie up the Rams before the defense let them down in the divisional round loss. They didn't even show up last night. It was embarrassing. Well, I I think we saw really, you know, a little bit what the Buccaneers were all year, right? You know, we had moments of, oh, wait, it's good and all that type of stuff. But we kind of like, you know, hit that point of where Dallas motivated, sick of hearing all the noise about, oh, you finished the season this way. Dak's not playing well. So they played their top-notch A-plus type of football game that we know when they play it, they're capable of dominating just about anybody in the sport. And then this is kind of what we saw from Tampa all year. We were always hopeful. We had those moments and, you know, little glimmers of, oh, wow, okay, wait, maybe they can turn the corner here. Maybe it's the playoffs and they're healthy and maybe this will be the time where they start to put their best football together. But, no, ultimately it came back to this is the team we saw through the 18 weeks of the regular season. Just inconsistent, no run game, mistakes, blown coverages, you know, uh, putting too much on the shoulders of Brady at 45 years old. And, and uh, really, that was a, a, a dominant performance, like you said, by the Dallas Cowboys, who did just about everything right after those first few drives where it was a little bit of a stalemate. They, they controlled the game from that point on. Remember, the big question was whether or not the Buccaneers would be able to run the ball. Yeah. They ran the ball back in week one when they right. won the game 19-3. to And they had center Ryan Jensen back for the first time all year. He suffered a knee injury, second day of training camp. They were always very vague about what type of knee injury it was, and we don't really know, and the swelling's still there. And he just kind of lingered, and then all of a sudden – He's back, and he's in the starting lineup, but they still couldn't run the ball. Leonard Fournette had 11 yards on five carries. Rashad White had 41 on seven. Yeah, Of course, no they had to abandon the run game right. fairly quickly once they fell way behind. And Tom Brady threw 66 passes yeah. at 45 years Not old. Not going to happen. 66 passes, completed 35. 351 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, a passer rating of a not very good 72.2. But... Uh, and you, you said we've seen that Buccaneers team all year. No, at times we saw good performances. This was the Buccaneers that we saw when we were like, what the hell is wrong with them? I, I didn't see anything last night that made me say, oh, there was the team that that we saw beat the Rams or beat the the Saints coming from behind. Or I know, but look you know, at what you're talking about. Look at what you're talking about. Oh, they beat the, the average Saints and the not good Rams, and they barely won and had True. like seven horseshoes up their butt to do it. You know, that's what I mean. It's, I, listen, I, Mike, I fell in the trap too. We all do. It's Brady. They won the Super Bowl two years ago. You know, but there's just very few moments. We had a few of those clutch moments that you're talking about. Where you go, oh, wait, maybe that's the way they could play. And if they can just hang around, you know, they could be tough to beat because Brady will be big time and, you know, the end of the half and end of game moments. But ultimately, Mike, Mike, you just said it right. I mean, 62 times or however many times it was to throw the football, that, that's not sustainable with Tom Brady. No, that was one of the things we talked about yesterday. I know I talked about it on my podcast a bunch. Like, if they have to throw it 40-plus times in a game last like last night, no way it's going to work. 
I mean, they, they couldn't block Dallas. They can't block Dallas, and then we know Brady at his age becomes uncomfortable, right? So it just – Dallas played a great game. We got to give them credit first off. You know, for, they came out r- really, you know, from the get-go, I thought like, oh, wow, Dallas is – they're playing. They're hitting. And I, I thought that was pretty apparent even through the stalemate. Not that I thought they were about to take off, but once they did take off, they showed they were in a different class than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and and you know just excite me. They they, they excite you when they play like that because you go, ooh, that, that's that's a special team, and can they sustain that and make a run and and do something special here? Well, and that's something that we saw in fits and starts throughout the season. Right. They would begin to look right. dominant, like what they did to the Vikings what they did in the fourth quarter to the Colts, but that team has a habit of not showing up when you expect them to. When you don't expect them to, that's when they show up. That's <laughs> going to be the challenge. On a short week, turning it around from Monday night, flying back to Texas, then flying to San Francisco, they have five days to get ready for six days. I don't know. What do you want to call it? It's from Monday to Sunday. But then the 49ers have Saturday to the following Sunday, and they don't have to travel anywhere. No. That, that puts even more pressure on the Cowboys to show up and play like they did last night. And that's the problem. I think they set a bar last night. Everyone with the exception of kicker Brett Maher set yeah, a bar last right. night that's going to be difficult to live up to. It raises expectations. It's very easy to get yourself fired up to go out and play well when you can use that everyone thinks I stink card. Now everyone thinks I'm great. And you've got to parlay that into another great performance against a much better team in their building with a couple of days of difference in preparation time. It's not going to be easy for the Cowboys, but it sure looked easy last night. And Dak Prescott, for as, as spotty Phenomenal. as Tom Brady was, Dak right. Prescott was spectacular. He threw half the number of passes, completed 25 of 33, 305, four touchdowns to three different receivers, ran one in. Dalton Schultz got a couple. There's the fourth down brilliant call that's right. that's the way you right. full a defense he just was great he was the guy that they paid 40 million a year to last night that's when you earn that money you step up in the playoffs against one of the all-time greats and you don't just barely win you kick the crap out of him yeah that's right hey, you know you you, you kind of said it. It, it it was a nice blend of surgical you know systematic just taking apart the defense And then I think when you add on top of that, then we saw some of the, hey, wait, nothing's there. He made a nice run. He got out of the pocket, scrambled, played some backyard football, which he hasn't been doing a whole lot lately, which is going to be a pain in the butt for a team like the 49ers, the Eagles going forward. But ultimately, too, and guys, if we could show those clips of plays again, I think not only did he play good, the Dallas Cowboys were ready for Tampa Bay. Just some of the plays. I mean, again, this touchdown right here, this is total game plan. We kind of know what coverage you're going to play. Messed with the rules. You said it right here. I'm sure to call that play in that moment, they had great evidence that, yes, that guy comes down the line of scrimmage too aggressive. Here's some backyard football. And then he's going to throw the C.D. Lamb play the next play, Mike. Or no, this one. Again, another great game plan play. Creativity. Probably broke tendencies. He acted like he was going inside. He breaks outside. And then this play here. Again, kind of knowing what they're going to get. Dialing up the perfect play. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is way to go, Dak Prescott. But way to go, Mike McCarthy, uh, Kellen Moore, for coming up with a game plan that really... 
you know, expose Tampa and some of their rules. And they hadn't done that, you know, in the first two times or the, the first meeting last year and the meeting before that. Uh, so got to give them credit for some of the creativity and game planning they came up with. I was looking back at the Buccaneers' schedule, and if there was a signature win, it was all the way back in week one, 19-3 at Dallas. Right, it's crazy. given what we now know about both right. teams. And I'm glad you mentioned that because the playoffs are where – preparation, focus, film study, self-scouting thyself becomes, I think, even more critically important. We saw that play on Sunday in the Vikings game when Harrison Smith crashed down to Saquon Barkley and the fake and the throw, and it was obvious that the Giants knew exactly what the Vikings were going to bite on. And maybe they set something up with their own formation. That's where you go next level we're going to show them something that we've put on film umpteen times That's this right. year dangling in front of out of it every go. single time right and guess what right this time we're not going to do it and we're going to think let them think that they've cracked the code on us and we're yeah. going to use it against them <laughs> yeah. so yeah. um it comes so that that's effective coaching you know at a time when the narrative was based upon how they performed last year against the 49ers in the wild card round that a failure of coaching on Monday night could have significant consequences to Mike McCarthy. You're going to have some folks who follow the Buccaneers now saying, what did our coaching staff do here to get ready for this Cowboys team? What did they do to stay ahead of the curve? What did we do to self-scout ourselves? What did we do to crack the code on the Cowboys? It's not just execution. You can look at the players and say, Tom Brady, oh, he doesn't have it anymore. But coaching is a big part of it, too. I expect there to be some changes on that staff. I don't know that Todd Bowles is going to be in trouble after only one year as the head coach, but there's been a lot of chatter about Byron Leftwich, who was a hot head coaching candidate a year ago and at one point looked like he was going to be the next Jaguars coach. There's talk that maybe he's going to be out. There's some speculation in and around Pittsburgh that maybe Mike Tomlin's waiting to make a change at coordinator because he's thinking Leftwich is going to end up there replacing Matt Canada. Be so interesting. keep an eye on that one in the coming yeah. days. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen. I mean, I'd be a little shocked, honestly, if Tampa wanted to part ways with him. I think Leftwich and you know what we see from that offense is it, it, I like a lot of their answers and what they do. I do. I mean, I think some of that has got to go back onto like, hey, we got to talk about personnel a little bit as well. And then maybe the shelf life of that football team has just gone, you know, a year too far. And we know in the NFL, yeah, you win a Super Bowl two, three years before that. I mean, hey, one year before that, like the Rams, it doesn't take much to go, wait, that Super Bowl team, as great as it was, it's the lifeline's coming to an end. It's over. And I think that's kind of where we got with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that's why we saw Tom Brady try to leave town last year. He felt like this was coming last off season. This is why he tried to make a move to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but yeah, just an underwhelming season. And you, it's hard to put your finger on one, any one thing it's injuries. It's just, you know, lack of detail on both sides of the ball, the Brady life, you know, distractions and the things he had to go through. Uh, it just was not a good year for Tampa. A lot of distractions and issues, and they never really played good football. Like you said earlier, just showed us a few moments and glimmers here and there. But other than that, uh, it was very inconsistent. We'll spin it forward regarding the Buccaneers later because, frankly, we have all offseason to spin it forward That's right. for them because they're done. Here's 
Mike McCarthy, coach of the Cowboys after the game, talking about arguably the best performance ever from Dak Prescott. As, as good as I've seen, that's, that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I think just like anything, he's so consistent in everything he does. And, you know, like I said, we had, we had a couple plays there early, but, I mean, he, he, was, he was on it the, the, rest of the, the rest of the evening. I, you know, I, I thought he was, you know, Kellen and, you know, the play calling. We, we just really stayed true to what we wanted to do in here. And, and like I said, I, I thought he played extremely well and, you know, stayed aggressive and, you know, took the check downs. Uh, I thought he had great command of the of the offense and excellent presence in the pocket. Love that old school Cowboys logo on McCarthy's hoodie and Prescott playing like an old school Cowboys quarterback, Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman. I mean, that was a night that, that Prescott, if it sticks, that was a night. Oh yeah. He entered a next level. And I, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but we, we can't just assume that it's going to continue. We have to see it again. He plays like he did last night. They're going to give the 49ers everything they can handle next Sunday. But we, we just have to see if, this, if they can muster that, if they can harness that, if they can go back to the lab and come up with the same kinds of things that will trick the 49ers that managed to trick the Buccaneers last night. But, man, it, it really was great. First player in the history of the franchise to have two or more passing touchdowns and one or more rushing touchdowns in a playoff game and his passer rating 143.3 nearly twice what Tom Brady's was that's the highest in a playoff game in Dallas Cowboys history and they have a storied playoff history as we all know but the story has been on pause since 1995 and that was their first road win in the playoffs Chris in 30 years that's how long it had been since they had crazy. left home and won a playoff game. Right? Unbelievable. Yeah. 49ers, NFC Championship game, 1992 season, right? January of 93, the, the first of uh, the three Super Bowls for the Dallas Cowboys. It's crazy to think a franchise like that, the first one, you know, first road playoff game since then. But, um, uh, yeah, Prescott was amazing. And, and two, not – you know, I think the more impressive thing about it is it wasn't like huge 80-yard plays last night that got them, you know, over 400 yards of total offense. You know, that's where, again, I go to, like, systematically dominating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just completions for 10 and 12 and 15 and 8 and 10. And, oh, here's a little run for 8 with Tony Pollard. And they had it all going. And they're a momentum team. We know that. I do think this is one where, Mike, like to your point from a little bit ago, they're going to ride this momentum. This won't be – I think they're – they like the bar being up there, and they're going for it. I do think that group has that way about them, and they're going to ride this wave, which is going to be exciting about them going into San Francisco, no doubt. But, hey, you know, like we talked about with Tampa, you know, that we saw what we kind of saw all year from Tampa. You know, that's what they were. I think we kind of forgot what we saw from Dallas all year because we let the last two games kind of influence our brains here a little, right? You know, we had the Tennessee game. Yeah, Tennessee's not playing any starters. They controlled the game, but it was kind of lackluster on Thursday night. You know, the Washington game. Yeah, okay, they had something to play for, but did they? I mean, come on. They were aware that the Giants were playing backups against Philadelphia and the score of that game was 19 to nothing pretty early on. And it's hard to get up for that. But let's not forget about the stretch they had before that, where they were dominant. 
And, I mean, you can go back to, you know, Lions Week 7 and that little stretch they hit there all the way up until the Philadelphia win uh, at home on Christmas Eve to go, no, no, we, we saw Dallas through that period there play some really good football. Yeah, they lost to the Packers and Dak threw two dumb interceptions in that game. But other than that, you know, I, we were having thoughts of, ooh, they're definitely one of the best teams in football. I think they reminded us that last night. And they were clearly, like we were talking about, in another class from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we'll see if they can keep that going against the 49ers. But that's the key. They have yeah. to keep doing it. They have to string it together. you got to do two more of these to get to the Super Bowl and one more of these to get to where you haven't been since 1996, January, the NFC Championship game, the last time they advanced to the Super Bowl, beat the Steelers that year. That was the year that they beat the Packers. A year right. before the Packers won a Super Bowl. Packers upset the 49ers. Steelers over the Colts and Jim Harbaugh, a game that I attended, and right. the fateful final Hail Mary was right down below where I was sitting but, for that one. And that's the last time they were in that is just still every year that goes by, it becomes harder to accept. It's been that long since the Dallas Cowboys, one of the most storied franchises in the NFL, hasn't played for the right to go to a Super Bowl. 1995 season, early 96, and they get a chance to reverse it coming up here on Sunday night. Yeah, they got man, they got you know Super Bowl caliber players. They do. And we saw last night game plan specific stuff from the offensive side of the ball. We saw Dan Quinn do some interesting things on the defensive side of the ball. He's always creative that way. You know, they executed, they out physical Tampa Bay. Mike, they did all the little things. Even second half, they're dominating the game 24 nothing. Mike. You know, my brother, Matt Sims, he texts me. He's like, man, he's like, like, it's the third quarter. And he's like, Dallas, the running backs, they're staying in bounds. Like, they're cognizant of the clack already. He's like, that, that, that's pretty good. Way to go, Mike McCarthy. And I was like, damn, you're right. They have. They, stayed, they made a conscious effort on a lot of running plays to stay in bounds and realizing the you know, the, the spot in the game in which they were in and how they were going to execute that. But, you know, Dallas, yeah, smothered Tampa Bay and really smothered them, Mike, and, and we had the one crucial moment, right, where we thought, okay, wait, we got a game here. And this is, too, just kind of a microcosm of the year a little bit. of uh, The Brady interception, that in the end zone, that was the moment where we went, oh, wow. And then that drive to go down and score and make it 12 nothing. That's when you went, oh, man, all right, man, I don't know, Tampa. Oh, gosh, this is just what Tampa is all year. You know, this was a pitiful play right here by Tom Brady. Uh, and really, this was the end of the football game. I mean, this was it. After this, hey, Dallas we take, down uh, let's bye-bye. stop. Let's stop yeah. right now. Let me stop you. Let me stop you right yeah. now. I, I, look, there's no shame in what Tom Brady did on this play. There is some shame in not calling it out. we got to call it out. This is the duck and cover play. This is Chuck what we saw multiple times in yeah. the NFC Championship game two years ago when they almost blew an 18-point lead. This is the I'm-too-old-for-this-shit play. This is the I-can't-take-a-direct-hit from a guy that weighs 300-plus pounds who is half-my-age play. And that's fine. Look, it takes more courage than I could ever muster to just be out there at 45. But that is, I don't want to take a square hit. If he stays in the pocket like we see plenty of quarterbacks do and takes that hit to the middle of the chest, he delivers a ball that's catchable. He deliberately chose, and that's part of what his game is now. To keep, this, is, this is the thing that any team that is thinking, oh, he could put a lot of butts in the seats and 
you know, create a lot yeah, of excitement. Like and maybe we contend right. that 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 he's he's got a this is a balance. He's been doing it for five years. I remember uh, uh, there, there was England, a play was, against the Steelers there, yeah. when he was, uh, there was a ball he threw. He said threw, threw it up away, to Gronk, and intercepted down right on the one yard line yeah, in Pittsburgh, it, right? And and and, and again, it's not criticism of him. This is self preservation. This is what happens when you are forty five and a half now. You can't take those hits. So there will be times. It's part of the overall calculation. There will be times where I just got to get rid of the ball. And that's what he did last night. That was a I have to save my ass type of a throw. And that, that's not, you know, and, and say what you will about Kirk Cousins and one of us did on Sunday night. You never see Cousins do that. Cousins stays in there, takes that hit, and gets up and keeps going. And he's not 45. Again, it's not a fear thing. It's a reality thing. It's a 45 years old thing. Sure. And it's going to be 46 next year, and it's something that he has to ask himself, am I comfortable still making plays like that when I have to? And a team that signs him has to ask that question. Are we comfortable with a quarterback who, by necessity, has to do the chuck and duck play from time to time? Yeah, that's what you got to figure out. That's part of it, and that's why he needs a certain support system. And if he does pick another team to play for, he's going to pick a team that's got a great pass protection and sets it up to where he doesn't have to be in those situations. You know, hey, he's awesome. We know that. He's the GOAT. But he's not a guy that's going to make plays outside the pocket right now. And, yes, he's not going to hang in there necessarily and and let a guy work his way down the field to get into a second window, hold the ball, and take a shot, you know, in the process of doing that. That's not going to happen. And that's why last night was just a recipe for disaster. They tried to run the ball a little bit early. Dallas was crowding the line of scrimmage. Dallas won first and second down for the most part early on in the game. And then then Tampa just went, wait, we can't run it. Forget it, because every time we run it, it's second and 12, second and 13. And then they got into throwing the ball. And, hey, we, we came on here a lot during the year. You know, Of course, Brady had his moments, and we praised him. But we came out here a lot and went, man, he's jumpy and Man, just hang in the pocket there. This guy's open. And that, this, that was, you know, what we saw last night. They got into a game where it was just too much on him, and they were harassing him and around him to where, yeah, he's not comfortable, and he's not Josh Allen or Mahomes where he's just going to make moves and take shots and throw sidearm lasers around the football field. We're not there. Like you said, he's 45, and you got to take that into account. And it's the first time, I think, and I may be missing one, but on on a stage of that magnitude, yeah. to have one of those plays become the tipping point, become the moment where, uh-oh, it's done, especially right. when the Cowboys turn it around right. and go down the field and go up two touchdowns, I think it made it the most glaring. And it was glaring. And, look, I, I don't want to criticize Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. They do a great job. But come on, guys, you got to call it what it is. I know he's Tom Brady, and I know that he's the GOAT. But, but you know, Troy, I'm, Troy stood in there and took some shots. Sometimes you just got to stand in there and take the shot or say to the world, the reason he didn't stand in there and take the shot is he's 45. And, you know, he, he, he doesn't look as skinny now as he did early in the season, but that's a guy that should not be taking a square shot from a 300 pound lineman who's coming at him full speed, or at least as full speed as he's ever going to yeah, be. Sure. So right. I, I, and, and it's, it's just one of the factors, just like when we talk about with Tua physics aren't on his side when smaller guy gets thrown around by one of these giant, powerful defensive linemen for a guy who's 45 and, yeah, is 6'5", but, but isn't thick as he used to be. Right. 
physics won't be on his side either. Medicine won't be on his side. Father Time won't be on his side if he takes that shot. And that ends up being the thing that we can point to and say, dot, 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 Cowboys win easily. Now, now, one of the reasons the door felt like it was still open for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was Brett Maher's inability to make not one. Holy crap. Not two. Not three, but four extra points. And when you leave it at 24-0 after missing your fourth one. Yeah, right. Making it a three-score game in theory. That's when it's like, uh uh-oh, we've seen this movie before. Here comes Tommy. But good God. Two to the right, and then the overcorrection to the left. And I don't think a kicker's ever missed four extra points in a game ever that I can think of at the NFL level. Unbelievable. Dak Prescott beside himself. I mean, you, this is you got one job. It's the old you got one job meme. You and 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 I know it's not as short and easy as it used to be, but still, it's a 33-yard field goal and you missed four of them last night. I it's a huge that, that's the 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 huge thing hovering over the game. As, as awesome as they played and they can feel good about, you know, what they look like and going into to San Francisco. It, the, that that would be you know something that's got to be talked about, and I know we lost Mike here, so I'm going to talk to myself here for a second. But uh, how could you not? As you know, you're sitting there going into one of the biggest games you had, as far as the Dallas Cowboys had here in recent history, the rivalry of the 49ers in the playoffs. Can you really feel comfortable and go with Brett Maher into the game? I I, I mean, they got to bring somebody. I I don't know. As a head coach, I don't think I could do it. You know, kickers are like, it's like a golfer or whatever. You get the yips. He might be awesome, but he might got the yips right now. And that would scare me to death. And I think I would be bringing in guys that work out here the next day or two. Well, the person whose one job it is to keep me on air failed while I was talking about Brett Maher not doing his one job. But I'm back. We'll see if I'm gone three more times tonight. I'd never thought of this before. You know, we have to ponder from time to time when a kicker gets injured during a game who else on the team yeah. could kick. For the first time in 50 years of following the NFL, I actually thought, is there someone for whom Brett Maher can be benched during <laughs> right, the game? Is right. there someone else who has a better shot at making this extra point than the perfectly healthy starting kicker? That's the thing. You don't have a starting kicker. You have a kicker. Yeah. You have one. Yeah. You don't need a backup. You never go to the backup. And I agree with you. It's a... It's a thought that Jerry Jones, the owner and GM of the team, should have this week. Here's Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott from after the game talking about their kicker who couldn't kick straight. We need Brett. He, he understands that. So, uh, you know, we need to get back on it this week and, you know, get him ready to go. Obviously, we're kicking out, you know, an outdoor stadium out there in, in Santa Clara. So, um, but, you know, we, you know, um, yeah, he's disappointed, but, uh, you know, we need him. We need him to focus in, and you know he's he's been super clutch for us all year. So, um, but that's the plan. I'm I'm Money Mars' biggest fan. Uh, obviously, I've been shown the video of me, uh, and that's just emotion. That's just that's part of it. Um, but but uh, yeah, I mean, I talked to him individually. Told him just told him after the game, hey, let that go. We're gonna need it. Um, I, I just played like a week ago, so I mean, that, that, that happens. Uh, but when you believe in each other and you believe in uh, what we're capable of doing and knowing what that guy's done, uh, what resiliency he's shown throughout his career personally, um, no doubt that he'll come back next week and be, be perfect and uh, help us win. Why would you say no doubt, Tack? Why? Why would you have no doubt? This is in his head now. 
There's too much riding on this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is a ruthless sport. It is, as I've said time and again, a giant football machine from which parts are removed and new parts are replaced all the time. And it is no more easy to do than at the kicker position. One kicker goes out, another one comes in. You need confidence. You can't be thinking about it. You can't have any doubt in your mind. First touchdown of the game against the 49ers. What if he misses that one? Field goal of about the same distance as an extra point. What if he misses that one? You can't just say, well, we talked to him and he said he'll try really hard and he won't do it next time. I mean, what else is he going to say? It's really in my head now, and I don't know if I can ever make a kick again. Thank God I made the last one, but I don't know how I'm going to feel when I line up to make a kick with more pressure on me. What if it comes down to a field goal try? That's what I down mean. Down a point. That's where I right? couldn't. It's I couldn't. Too, yeah. it's, I, I, I'm, and, and it's just one of those things where I'm sorry, we just can't do this. And, and – you know, this isn't necessarily a coaching thing because there's not like a guy in the bullpen that you can bring in the other field goal kicker. But but the organization can look who's out there. There's always a kicker out there. There's always somebody out there. You could bring in five today and do a gong show tryout and put them under pressure and see who survives it, who makes all their kicks, who's feeling it, who's getting it done, and then – what you can do is you can add a guy to the practice squad this week. You can elevate him this weekend if you want to. You can put him on the active roster. You can make your decision as the week goes on. And you can see what Brett Maher does in practice. That's right. You know, you spend all week out there on the practice field. I want to see you make kicks. You better go make that kick because we're thinking about bringing someone else in. I mean, it sounds kind of harsh and kind of cruel, but nah. damn it, the season may ride on. That's right. It's it's a pressure-packed position. It's the only one that's not a reactive position in all the football field to where, no, it's truly – pressure packed that's you you are what you are the other guys in the football field we've talked about this before you know hey there's pressure yeah but they're reacting to the moment you don't have time to think oh gosh it's third and seven you're sitting there going oh gosh Vita Vea's in my face I gotta make a move and get the ball out of my hand and it kind of takes the pressure away from that standpoint yeah you gotta have a guy that you know can stand in the face of pressure and the moment and not be bothered by a little wind out in Santa Clara and a, and 70,000 49ers fans saying, F you, I hope you miss it. And that would be, to me, you definitely bring somebody in this week. you know. And like you said, I don't know if you put him on the roster right way, but he's there, one, to put a little pressure on Brett Maher to go, wait, how are you going to react all week? This guy's here at practice too. You, know, you might even have a few moments during practice where you bring up the guys and get around them and yell at them and see how he reacts in that moment. But, like, man, I, ooh, he'd really have to pass with flying colors for me during the week. Because the thing I, – I would I – would, it'd be, it'd be hard for me to go in the game and go – I would have a hard time sleeping with myself, I guess, if I let Brett Maher be the kicker and then he misses a big field goal late third, fourth quarter, and I go, oh, all the signs were there. I don't know why I let this happen. I would certainly flirt with the, the new kicker thing. I got some free advice yeah. for the Joneses. Free advice. I'm talking to you right now, Stephen and or Jerry. Here's what you need to do this week. And all I want in return is a little ride on the bus when we go to Indianapolis. That's <laughs> it. Maybe. Maybe if it works to a charm and you win the Super Bowl, you can invite me onto the Super Yacht. Here's what you got to do this week. And I'm serious about this. I, I was thinking about it while you were talking. All the different ways to get this guy ready. Teams pipe in crowd noise all the time for practice. We know that. All the different ways that they simulate the environment they're going to be in. What they need to do is have Brett Maher kick all week long 
and they need to put this together today. They need to have a layered sound effect with thousands of voices chanting, Mar, Mar, because that's what he's going to hear. Every kick in San Francisco, they're smart enough to know they're going to be sing-songing his name. They're going to be getting in his head, and he is going to hear that when he walks out there for the first time to kick, the second time to kick, the third time to kick, every time, because they know it's a thing, and they can save their team a point or three multiple times. He needs to not just hear crowd noise. He needs to not just have guys around him. He needs to hear his name chanted in a derisive way every time he steps onto the practice field this week because he's going to hear it that way every time he steps onto the field on Sunday. Guaranteed. Do it now. Get him ready for it. Get him kicking well in that environment because that is the only way to simulate what he's going to see on Sunday night. And if it works, take me for a ride on the bus. Give me a hot dog. Give me some Johnny Walker blue. If it really works... Take me for a ride on the yacht. That's all I want. Well, why don't you make that voice recording for them and send that down there? That'll really help them. Then you layer actually, it. Well, you yeah, layer you it a you thousand times over. You, you know, do like that. they did. You make that and Bar. they'll pop it in. Right, right. Bar. There you go. Bar. Right. Just do that for an hour it. and record it and send it to the Joneses Bar. and said I made something for you. <laughs> I better be careful. If I keep doing that, I think a bull moose is going to show up at the door. Mar. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but, uh, Chris, am I wrong? I've, we've, heard, we've seen that before. That, and those 49ers fans are ruthless and relentless and brilliant. They know this is a thing. They're going to be ready to go when he goes out there to kick. Yeah, They're going to no, give it to him. Have, so give it to him in advance. Pressure, no doubt. He, he definitely he is. It. We're all going to be talking about it. I mean, it's going to be definitely something that's going to be brought, ab- brought about, you know, through talking heads like us on, on a lot of different stations. I got to think somebody's brought in at least for practice Mom. purposes and see how it goes. But, you know, that's like – the only thing that was negative about Dallas last night, that's for sure. Uh, that there was a lot of things to look at. And when they Dallas Cowboys play like that. That makes it more glaring. I Chris, know. That makes I know it more it does. glaring. I know. That's why I, I think they got to bring somebody in like you're talking about and play the, the music and the crowd noise and have a kicker there to see how he reacts to the week of pressure. But, man, I mean, when the Dallas Cowboys play like that, they remind you that, mm, man, they could be a, a team that could, you know, upset the apple cart, end up in the Super Bowl. You know, Brock Purdy, one bad mistake, or Michael Parsons around the edge, strip sack fumble. Ooh, wow, watch out. Um, for, for entertainment purposes, I am glad they won last night. We've seen Tampa versus the 49ers, and I don't know if it would go much different no matter what. This one, these guys got the freaks to hang with the other freaks out in Santa Clara. And I don't think they're going to back down for the physicality of the moment, too, here. So that's where it, it's going to be really cool to see and uh, one of the better games on, on Divisional Weekend Sunday night, Sunday evening. Well, and, and the AFC gives us a couple of new school matchups. Right. The NFC gives us a couple of old school matchups. I talked yesterday about how Eagles-Giants reminds me of the 70s. Pat Summerall, Tom Brookshire, green cement games at Veterans Stadium or Giants Stadium. Cowboys 49ers, good God, it's the 90s all over again, Yeah, right? Pull out the Zubaz pants. I saw a guy at the airport yesterday wearing Giants Zubaz pants. Get out the Zubaz. We're going back to 1992 when the Cowboys and the 49ers get together. Too bad Candlestick Park is gone. Maybe they should just play the game on the site of Candlestick Park. I don't even know what's there now. So that's the only thing that that is sad about this. It's, It's new stadiums for these two games, not the ones we were accustomed to in the old days. But uh, how about this, too? A fact that one of my writers noted today on PFT. 
three teams from the NFC East in the divisional round. First yeah. time three teams from the same division in the divisional round since realignment in 2002. And we were ready to disband the NFC East two years ago. We were talking about taking away the home game automatic for winning the division because the Washington football team, as they were known at the time, was the best of four really bad teams. Now there wasn't a single team in the division under 500 because Washington finished 8-8-1, eight, eight, and one, and the other three teams are all in the divisional round. That is impressive. Um, and, and again, to me, I think, it, hey, look, I believe the 49ers are beatable when someone beats them, but I agree with you. Of all the various options out there for the divisional round, because the Eagles weren't an option because they were the one seed. Yeah. But of all the other teams that could have gone to Santa Clara this weekend, the yeah. Cowboys scary. are the most intriguing. Right. Because I think the 49ers would have killed the Vikings. The 49ers would have killed the Buccaneers. The 49ers would have killed the Giants. And the 49ers, as we saw, already have beaten the Seahawks. Yeah. The Cowboys are the one team that I think could give the 49ers – everything they can handle, and uh, I hope they do on Sunday just for the purposes of seeing a good game. But right. I sure don't want it to come down to Brett Maher. Well, maybe I do. That would be the height of drama. Brett Maher, a 33-yard field goal <laughs> with two seconds left in the game, Cowboys down two. That, that Or just the extra point moment. to win it. Maybe to go up 28-27. <laughs> I mean, it could be just that. I want it to be – no, yeah. I want it to be win or loss, though. It's oh, got to be – okay. it can't just be – it can't just be – we win if I make it, and we go to overtime if I miss it. It's got to be we go home if I miss it. We go on if I make it. That's what it's got to be. Yeah. Um, but, uh, speaking of going home. It's, it's, uh, I, I, it is scary. They got playmakers. We know that. They got an offensive line that you feel like, okay, wait, the, the 49ers aren't going to just overmatch the Dallas Cowboy offensive line. Uh, we know it's going to be a, a tough task, but this Cowboy offensive line is still very good. We know that as well. They got some creativity on defense, and they got a guy in Dan Quinn who was the head coach while Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons for two years. So he's had a firsthand look a little bit on like some of the rules and things Shanahan likes to do within his offense. He'll have a little feel for, for, uh, for that. So that's where it is. It is interesting, definitely. And uh, uh, that's where I'm, I'm excited for it, too. Like you said, there's some you know the old school history, some nostalgia in this one let alone we got a lot of big-time, talented difference makers on the football field that's going to lead, I think, to a really exciting game. And I was trying to think of the best spot to make this point. I'm going to make it now. You mentioned Dan Quinn crossing paths with the guy who used to work for him in Atlanta, Kyle Shanahan, adds some intrigue, gives Dan Quinn all the more reason to spend every waking moment focused on nothing but getting ready to come up with a defense that can get a step ahead of Kyle Shanahan. But that's not happening. There's nothing. Right? I, that's my point. Yeah. There's nothing else that Dan Quinn should be doing this week other than working, sleeping, showering, eating, and I won't say the other word. That we got it. For the nest. But you. that's all he should be doing. That's it. Nothing else this week. Laser focus, full obsession, work, eat, sleep. Work, eat, sleep, and not much eat and not much sleep. Work, work, work. All work and no play makes Dan Quinn a successful defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. But no, because of the NFLs, I don't know what the word is, but I'm, I don't know. I, I, bad. Let's just go with bad. Let's go next level and keep it simple. 
bad procedures for filling out coaching positions. What, what are you going to have this week? Dan Quinn interviewing for a job at the Broncos. You're going to have D'Amico Ryan's interviewing for a head coaching job. It shouldn't happen. I, I'm with Peter King a thousand percent on this. Now, I resisted it when he first made the argument because I thought it's not practical to delay in-person interviews until after the Super Bowl. It's not practical. There's too much stuff that goes on right away with the scouting combine. And hell, you've got the senior bowl before the Super Bowl. You got to have a coaching staff in place. Well, hey, if they if they want to convince these owners to not fire coaches, this would be a way to do it. You can't talk to anyone who's currently working for another team until after the Super Bowl because I don't care what anyone says. Dan Quinn will not give, will not be able to give his full attention, focus, and effort to his job this week. D'Amico Ryans will not be able to give his full attention and focus and effort to his job this week. Kellen Moore, if he's got an interview somewhere, and I've seen his name bubble up, he would not give his full attention, focus, and effort to his job this week because his ship is coming in. While he's still finishing up his, his duties on land, his ship has come in. And what do you do? And, and the, the best explanation that, that I've ever heard on this, and I think it, you mentioned playmakers, it's in my book, Playmakers, the idea that when you come home from work, as you're getting ready for this playoff game, the first question from Mrs. Assistant Head Coach isn't, how are the preparations going for this key game this weekend? The question is, have you heard anything about that job that you're up for that would result in a dramatic change in our lives? We'd have to move. Your ship would come in. You'd be a head coach. Have you heard anything about that? Right. Your income will go up tenfold. Have you heard anything about that? You can't even have that on your radar screen this week. It should be focus only on the job. And that's what's unfortunate. Because we may not see the level of next level coaching divisional round that we saw wild card round. Because wild card thing. round, these guys were off limits. Well, that, that, that's the point where I think that I, I, would, I, would, I don't know what the solution is. I would, I would love to see them come up with some sort of solution somewhat along the lines of what you're talking about and Peter King are talking about. Because, yeah, uh, we... We, we want to see these teams at their absolute best. That's where I would think the NFL might want to flirt with changing this rule a little bit. Yeah, I, again, I mean, we, we've had this discussion. I know the majority of the game plans are done, you know, by the time Friday interviews come around. But, damn, I've been a part of a lot of games with some different coaches where Friday and Saturday, hey, coach blah, blah, blah was sitting around you know, hey, let's watch this back one more time. And they came up with a few more ideas or, you know, just figured out a few little details that maybe made sense and tinkered with the game plan that, that can put you over the top. But I'm with you, let alone, you know, to your point too, like there's no way in like a D'Amico Ryan or a Dan Quinn is not taking a time a little at the, maybe the end of the day on Tuesday and the end of the day on Wednesday that is going to be like, okay, wait, let me get organized for my interview on Friday and make sure, you know, I got all my ducks in a row here. Uh, so that, that's where it's unfortunate, but, but I don't blame those guys. You know, that's, it's, it's, don't, it's, it's, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. It's, it's just messed up situation and setup where, you know, they're put in a position of, you know, being put in a very tough position and, and hard to give your best effort with the way it's set up. Reminds me of what Mickey said to Rocky for a 45 minute fight. You got to train for 45,000 minutes. Th there is no limit to the amount of time that a coach can spend studying film, his own film, his opponent's film, other film, looking for ideas. It's an endless 
amount of time that you can spend and should spend because you never know that one extra thing you look at may be the thing that flickers an idea. Oh, I got some. Oh, oh, I got something. Oh, I'm glad I. I oh, I'm glad I looked at that. I got something now. Oh, oh, and it's oh, it's going to work. I know. I know exactly when to use it. And maybe it won't line up the right way, but boy, if it does. See, that's people call it luck. That ain't luck. That's having your stuff together in a way where it is so buttoned up. You've got a plan for every possible permutation, and you bend luck your way. And tough luck, Cowboys. Tough luck, 49ers. Your defensive coordinators are distracted this week. And they'll say they're not because what else are they going to say? They are. You're not getting your full benefit from them because of the rules the NFL has in place for interviewing head coaches. And maybe those rules should finally change to put everything on hold until after the Super Bowl. All right, we got to put something on hold until after the break. Tom Brady's future. We'll let you hear what he had to say after the game, and then we'll try to make sense of it when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I'm going to go home and get a good night's sleep as good as I can tonight. And then, uh... This has been a lot of focus on, you know, this game, so, yeah. It's just be one day at a time, truly. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys for everything this year. I really appreciate all your effort, and I know it's hard for you guys, too. It's hard for us players to make it through, and you guys got a tough job, and I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport. We're very grateful for everyone's support, and, um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I love this organization. It's a great place to be, and thank you, everybody, for welcoming me, all you regulars, and um, just very grateful for the respect, and I and, uh, hope I gave the same thing back to you guys. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. I guess that's the press conference equivalent of the Irish goodbye. Well, you just leave without saying anything. I mean, he, right. he pivoted. He pivoted to he that stopped. closing statement yeah. during the question and answers. He pivots to that statement and just leaves. And people are like, what the hell was that? There wasn't even a question that he answered. He just had his comments. He made them and he left. And I thank you all for welcoming me. 
uh, well, he was welcomed two years ago. He's got three seasons in Tampa. It felt final. And, Chris, based upon what you said last segment, the fact that the cupboard around him is bare. Right. That the shelf life has expired on the stuff that is inside the cabinets. Right. Tampa is not the place for Tom Brady to play in 2023 if that's where he's going to be because the deck is not stacked for him there. And look, it may not be stacked for him anywhere else, but there's no reason to stay in Tampa. The only reason he went there in the first place was because he thought he would win one or more championships. If you don't think you're going to win a championship, there's someplace else I think he'd rather be. Yeah, I I would agree with that. It just, you know, again, I I don't think it was any coincidence that you know, there was the Sean Payton, Tom Brady to Miami thing last year. I think that he saw the writing on the wall with the football team to a degree. Got stuck in a position where there wasn't any other options. He came back to the football team. They tried to make it work. And, of course, they, you know, hit a myriad of issues throughout the year. But, ooh, you know, ooh, yeah, you like myriad. that word? Like that? Like that? Wow. I'm big time wow. here today. Look at that. Tuesday. It's a super <laughs> wild card Sims here, okay? Uh, but, <laughs> but, but either way um, – yeah, yeah, I mean, you said it. We've been talking about this. He needs a certain type of support system at this point in his career. And he does need to feel protected and have a top-notch offensive line around him and a running game to help out a little bit. That's when they were at the best, their best when they won the Super Bowl. They were, you know, bludgeoning people with the power run game. Oh, wait, play action pass. Let's block it up. Boom, I'll throw a bomb or a laser down the field. And all of a sudden, we're in the Super Bowl beating the crap out of the Kansas City Chiefs and and winning it. So uh, he needs something like that. But in my heart of hearts, I don't think that's coming. I don't. In my heart of hearts, I really think that'll be the last time we saw Tom Brady play on a football field. I think that was it. It was a great run. We'll see. I'm sure he'll think about it and maybe talk to a few teams, but uh, I don't know. We'll just people I know. He's always said 45. Uh, I just feel like that that was it last night, and we're we're not going to see him again. The trigger for me this year came the day after they lost to the Browns. They blew the late lead, then lost in overtime. And he said on his podcast, with Jim Gray. I'd rather play and lose than not play at all. And some of what he said last night before he made his exit stage, what would that be? Stage right from his perspective, stage left from ours. So whichever one is proper is the right one. You can't go wrong with left or right. But before that, he was talking about how 32 teams, 18 are at home, seven of the remaining eight are going to be pissed off when it's all said and done. That's just the way it is. Accepting the reality that you can't have it your way every year. You can't win the Super Bowl every year. He got his brain rewired in New England thinking we can win the Super Bowl every year. We can win the Super Bowl every year. And he's kind of now in this phase of his career where it's like, well, you know what? Winning the Super Bowl isn't everything. Playing is everything. The journey is everything. Learning. You learn something from yourself every time you lose. He said that after one of the various losses by the Buccaneers this year. So, Chris, we're going to talk about Sean Payton's dance card in a bit. But of the teams that have been linked to him, Cardinals, Broncos, Texans, and now the Panthers. Two of those teams could push the door open for Tom Brady, Texans and Panthers. And wouldn't it be something if Tom Brady ended up in the division, one of the weakest divisions in football with the Panthers, going against the Buccaneers, Sean Payton going against the Saints. Boy, all of a sudden the NFC South gets very interesting in 2023. But if those two are determined to find their way together, if they're determined to give a middle finger to 345 Park Avenue, and I would suspect, based upon their own individual histories of being suspended by the commissioner, Peyton a decade ago, 
for trumped-up bounty gate charges. Brady, six years ago, for trumped-up deflate gate charges. Wouldn't they love, after the Dolphins got whacked for trying to get Peyton and Brady last year, wouldn't they love to find a way to come together and give a giant middle finger to 345 Park Avenue? I'm telling you, I wouldn't write that off. I would not write that off because both of them have just enough impishness that when you get them together, the personalities may intertwine in a way where they say, let's go do this thing. Let's go, let's go, let's go shove it where the sun don't shine. Well, they got the that. Who, yeah. who suspended us in the past. Well, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they got edge and, you know, they're chippy, both of them. And you're right about that marriage and they'd love to shove it up anywhere. You know, the sun don't shine on, on a lot of people for sure. Uh, you know, but, you know, there's, there's, there's two things, okay, that I think, you know, I think about to maybe counter that argument. One, you know, are any of those teams that you just mentioned really ready to, like, support Brady and go, oh, okay, right? I mean, Tampa. Carolina. Well, maybe. Carolina. They're getting close. They're getting close. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know if I'm ready to say that yet, quite yet, to go there. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're close. And maybe they can find the finishing pieces in this offseason. They do got some young talent, and we know that. Offensive line has, you know, got better running the football. Pass protection, okay. Can they protect Brady the way he needs to? But here's the other, you know, two little wrinkles that you throw into this. One, okay, yeah, you get Tom Brady. What? So, But then the next year you're also looking for another quarterback. That's, that's, that's going to be an appealing process to some of these teams who are in the, wait, we're trying to find a quarterback. Now, you could play out, wait, we're going to draft a guy and then have Brady be there for a year and he can learn under Brady. That might work if Brady wants to do that. And then the other factor I think that you got to play into this, you name the teams, but uh, I mean, the elephant in the room, of course, is the Raiders in that conversation, and you brought it up a few weeks ago, and there's no Derek Carr and there's Josh McDaniels, and they do have the right weaponry at receiver that I think, oh, Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, that, damn, that seems New Englandish in my prime. And, they, and they're all aligned. You know they're going to put some money and some assets into that this year. Maybe that's a team. Uh, but, but gosh, I, I don't know. I just don't see it. I don't. I, I, I feel like he's a guy that still can throw the football, but I don't know if he can hang in there in the pocket. Do you want to go through another challenge of moving, dealing with, you know, you know, setting the groundwork for a new football team. There's just a part of me that doesn't see that happening. I don't know. Well, here's the problem with the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with the Raiders is the guy that we're going to see in person on Saturday, Patrick Mahomes. And, and the guy guy we saw last Saturday night. Right. 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 So, um, that's the problem. You're not going to be in a position to feel confident that you can win the division. He's staying in the same division where a sub-500 team just won the division. And, and, you know, one of the factors, proximity to his kids, Las Vegas, San Francisco. I mean, you know, the 49ers reportedly are going to take a look this time around. He may not want it this time around. He may not want to be on the other side of the country from his kids, given everything that's happened in his personal life. Carolina to me, makes a ton of sense all of a sudden. Assuming that the Panthers and the Saints could work something out here, and hey, look, 
The Saints are going to lose Sean Payton anyway. They're going to get something in return for him anyway. And if he's determined to go to Carolina, he's going to Carolina. But David Tepper has been desperate for a great head coach and a franchise quarterback. And you made a good point. Yeah, what are you going to do the year after Tom Brady's done? Well, Miami was willing to cross that bridge. I just think Payton and Brady are so determined to find a way to work together that that it wouldn't stop them from doing it. And, and Peyton would say to Tepper, we'll worry about next year when next year comes. I went to New Orleans, and I didn't know who my quarterback was going to be. I wanted Tony Romo, and they wouldn't let me have him. I got Drew Brees after the Dolphins said, no thanks, we don't want a guy with 20-plus studs in his shoulder, and we made it work. We'll make it work. That's kind of what he said last week when the issue of the Broncos came up. It wasn't about, well, I got a bad quarterback position. It was when I went to New Orleans, I had no quarterback situation. We made it work. We'll make it work. Either way, we'll make it work. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the possibility of Brady, Carolina, with Sean Payton. Because I just think there are so many reasons why. If they were determined to do it last year, they'd be determined to do it again this year. And I think, I think he is going to play. I really do. When Rodney Harrison said it that night, Christmas night, after interviewing Tom Brady, talking to Tom Brady, Rodney Harrison goes on our air and says... I think Tom Brady's going to play next year, but not for the Buccaneers. I mean, I mean, come on. He's a former teammate. He's got to know something. He either said something to him or Rodney picked it up. But I, I, I just think we're going to see him for one more year. He's going to want to go even beyond the limits he set for himself. This is the, uh, the Seinfeld episode where Kramer's test driving the Saab and the needle is well past E, and they just want to keep it going. He wants to keep it going. He wants to see how far he can take it. And I think I think with Peyton, he could have a pretty good year wherever he may be, especially in Carolina. All right, we got to take a break. One guy who will not be returning to the NFL in 2023 is Jim Harbaugh. We'll let you know why he's staying put and whether he will indeed come back to the NFL at some point. We'll discuss that next year on PFT Live. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.